Welcome to Out of Game, a podcast featuring unique segments and discussions about board games, card games, RPGs, gamers, and gamer culture. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Chris, and Tim, as they go out of game. Welcome to episode 46 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. This is Tim. And we're a podcast about board games. We're back. We are. Yeah. It's been a while. Been too long. Yeah. Far too long. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, but we're not going to make any promises that this will improve because we always break them. (laughs) We have a lot of gaming news. We do. We're kind of like that four-year-old that makes the promise and never really meant it. (laughs) Well, we mean it at the time. That's true. We mean it at the time. If this podcast was delivered by intentions, it'd be like every week. It's true. Probably be daily from your intentions, actually, usually. <laughs> but isn't there like a saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Yes. Yes. That would be exactly it. Yeah. Is that true? Do you guys think that's true? Probably not. Probably no. not. I think there's other. I think a lot yeah. of sayings are, are whacked. Yeah. I think, it, I, think <laughs> one of them. I think that's one tiny path among the super highway headed yeah. that direction. I think it's paved with some other things too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I'm working like, like a dog. Yeah. What that does that saying, mean? If you, dogs sit around. Dogs don't work. Who saw, who's ever seen a dog working hard? Dogs have a great life. They just kind of jello out. And the other one is sleeping like a baby. <laughs> Now, uh, come on. Whoever's had a baby, are they known for peaceful sleep? Like, is that their claim to fame? Or would it be the opposite of that? Well, if you're talking claim to fame, yeah, because people like focusing on the negative. So that's why it's all about the crime. I would assert that babies are known, especially early on, for not sleeping through the night and making it a little challenging on the parents. Yeah, not through the night, but when they're out. They are out. Yeah, but... I but, mean, you're talking do a bomb in the backyard and they don't move. But so are you. Like, when we go to Gen Con, when you're out, you're, you're like, dead to the world. Yeah, but if someone were to, like, slam the door, I'd probably wake up. You slam the so door with the baby. baby? Nah, see? When- <laughs> My kids are <laughs> much different. Oh, yeah. Mine are, mine, when mine are out, I mean, I've, I've, like, they're late for school. I'm physically shaking them and nah, nothing. Okay. Nothing. Well, they're not babies, though. Well, not anymore. Yeah, no. Shepherd dogs work pretty hard. That's true. And like those canine dogs, like the cop dogs. Yeah. You remember that dog on Roadrunner and Coyote? Yeah. He was like, uh, he watched the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept the coyote away. That guy, he was like always one step at a coyote, man. Have you ever been to the airport at O'Hare where they have dogs sniff you and then you don't have to put any of your stuff on the security? I've, I've had the dog sniffage, but you still have to go through security. You go through, but you don't have to take your shoes off or anything. It's like everyone has TSA because oh, of the right. dogs. I didn't realize they didn't. You're right. They didn't ask me to take It's like the replacement for, for shoes to make it go faster. Those dogs must work pretty hard. It didn't. He didn't look like it was working hard. They're clearing hard. security. <laughs> yeah, but he looked pretty chill. It's because of those dogs that no terrorists are getting on your airplane. Well, sure, but when you say the phrase working like a dog, it's just, I'm, my point is the road being paved to hell, working like a dog, sleeping like a baby. We need to revisit some of these sayings and maybe take another look at them. What should it be? Sleeping like what instead? I don't know. Like a dog, maybe. Maybe we should reverse them. <laughs> cat. I think cats sleep better than dogs. Sleeping like a cat. I don't know. Yeah. If you've ever had a dog, they, you know, they're pretty peaceful. And working like a horse. Horses work hard. Do they? Sometimes they have fat people riding them. I don't know. Do they? I think horses work pretty hard. 
A mule working like a mule. You can't argue that mules, mules don't are work. stubborn. They don't work. Oh, they work. Oh, they're they're, they they're loads. known for not working and being stubborn. <laughs> I don't think these animal analogies are working. Stubborn like a mule. That's the same. Yes, that is. That is. So that one, they got that one right. They got that one right. Yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about some one of games. Your ancestors. <laughs> this is a board, uh, podcast about board games. So yes. let's let's do that. So today's table talk is going to be Camel Up. No, just kidding. About BGG Con 2018. Uh, Brian has some uh, interesting notes, I'm sure. I do. But before we talk about that, let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. I don't have a spawn point. What do you got, Chris? I have a contest. Oh. We are going to have a giveaway for a game called Keyforge, which you might have heard. Yes. The Keyforge base set. Yes. To be clear. The base set. So we're going to give away a free copy of Keyforge. We'll have the instructions at the end of the episode for that. So entry is free to the contest. You can be eligible to win brand new Keyforge. And what do they need to do to enter this contest? Well, we can get into the details later. Let's oh, do, let's you're not going to explain the details on the show? Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll explain the details at the end of the show. I want the listeners to stick around. It's called a teaser. Oh. Stay for the keyboard. we taking some marketing classes wow. here. It's like yeah. you. Okay. So stay tuned. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the BGG con reports can be a little winded. Just saying. <laughs> want to make sure people stay around. Stay through the BGG con report. We're going to be giving away Keyforge and you want to be here for that. There you go. Okay. To be continued. What so, you got, Tim? Fireball Island. Oh. So got got my Kickstarter in and then uh, tried to keep it sealed um, because I knew as soon as my kids saw it that they would want to play it. And sure enough, my wife unboxes it, puts it on the kitchen counter, and that's like, oh, what is that? Yep. And then I was like, okay. So we've proceeded to play two or three games now the kids love it they're going crazy for it um and so far uh my son is one and my daughter is one okay. so we've done we've done two so just my wife should have won the first game she got to the very end there was basically like two spaces away from getting on the helicopter and getting off the island with the heart and you know of course you gotten the penny out of the the mall uh but uh she didn't play her jetpack from her card for some reason because she didn't Remember she had it or something. So here comes my daughter, runs up the path, steals the heart from her, gets the penny, hops on the helicopter, and basically wins the game. It's awesome. Nice. And then the next one, same thing kind of happened. Uh, actually, my son and my daughter were fighting over the heart, and they got kind of caught up on the bridges, had to stop moving, and then she couldn't make it to the helicopter, and then my son ran by her, did pretty much did the same thing. Got the heart, got on the helicopter, and... Whereas uh, both uh, first game, I was on the far side of the island when everything got activated. So I, I burned to death on the island because I couldn't make it to the helicopter in time. And then the same thing happened to my wife. She got stranded on the other side of the island and she couldn't make her way around in time to, to get off the island. So kids love it. They, okay. are, they are insane for it. So I actually have mine set up. I haven't played it yet. Oh, how is that possible? So And it's kind of funny because it's set up in my game room. And so my son keeps finding excuses to come downstairs while I'm working and then He'll just be like, kind of like, oh, hi, dad. And then he goes over to Fireball Island and he's just like dropping the marbles in Volcar's head. I'm like, you need to go upstairs, Evan. But uh, what's like kind of the point? What's, what do you do? Is the point to just get, collect items from the item? Yes, you you walk around the island and there's spaces that have coins. You're trying to collect coins. And if you get a set of three, there's three different types of coins. You got to get a set in order to score. And then every set you get, you get more points per set. Um, And then the big thing is you got to get the heart of Volcar. 
and that's worth the most at seven points. Um, and then there's a pen, there's this maw that like if you knock yourself over with a marble, you put some put one of your things in there, and at the end when everybody's getting off at the helipad, you can collect something out of there. It's kind of a here's your bonus for getting off the island. Um, and then there's several spots where you basically go and take a selfie. Hey, I'm here at the mountain. Take a selfie, and you get a picture. And then those are worth five points only if you're on the helicopter because no one sees the selfie if you burn up on the island. So yeah. I found that the selfies, kind of like collecting the coins, doesn't seem to be worth it. If you get the heart and a couple pictures, you're probably good for a win. So, uh, yeah. Okay. But the kids are having fun. They're they're playing the cards, running around, going into the caves. My son, all he wants to do is drop marbles, of course, because that's, right. that's the whole that's fun. The point. Uh, it's also, he calls it um, uh, from Moana. It's a... Uh, Takah. So it's not Volcar, it's Takah, which is the a lava guy from the island there. So Sounds fun. Yeah, I'm looking. I promised my my son that we will play this week on Thursday. So they're they're waiting. Yeah, we've actually they've been asking for the last couple nights, and so there there will be another session going on very, very soon. Yeah, and actually I will I will talk about a game at my son point because you just reminded me oh. of Beasts of Balance. Remember the game Beasts I bought? of Balance. No. So this was the game I bought at Gen Con that had all the really like funky oh, looking yeah, animals right. and it uses an app. My my children are obsessed with this game. So like my son was doing his, uh, his kindergarten. No, was, it, he's in first grade now. And they're like, draw a picture of your favorite toy. And he drew a picture of Beasts of Balance. Nice. Like the animals all stacked on each other. That was like a big win. And I, and I was hesitant to buy it. So... Yeah, the kids love that game. Oh, good. And the app is really actually pretty neat. So what does the app do for the game? The app just gives you points. So it gives you kind of a point to what you're doing besides just stacking. So everything is on this platform that it can sense the weight of the objects. So you scan. Each item has an NFC um, thing in it, a chip. So you scan it on the base. And then the app will show that, oh, you're going to stack this particular animal because it recognizes that you scanned it. And then it can tell when you've stacked it by the weight. Oh, interesting. So if anything falls off, then this volcano appears on the app and starts erupting. And if you can get it all back on there before the volcano erupts, then you can keep going. Oh. So one, you know, there's some tricks you can do. Like if you realize that you can't stack a certain way, you can take a piece off really quick, put your new piece on, and then put the old piece back on top as long as you can do it before the volcano erupts. Interesting. And it's funny, whenever the volcano starts erupting, my daughter like freaks out. She's like terrified of the volcano. That's cute. So she'll like run away, like cover her ears. It's really funny. See, my son would just like sit there permanently and just let the volcano go off all the time because yeah. he's always like, oh, volcano. Yeah. So he'd probably want it to fire. So he'd never win the game. Yeah. But every piece is worth a certain amount of points. So like the really big, awkward pieces are worth more. Yeah. Uh, and then the small ones are worth less. And then there's three areas like land, air, and sea. And you're putting them in different areas. And then you can put certain pieces on that give like add to their points and you're just, it's actually cooperative. So you're trying to collectively get the most points. And then there's a battle mode that I tried once and my son cried because (laughs) we were like head to head and I was like, so he doesn't want to do battle mode. I told him he's not old enough for battle mode yet, but no, it's pretty good. The stacking is really cool. Like the pieces are amazing looking and we actually stacked. I have a picture. We stacked almost every piece in the box one game. So that was pretty impressive. Nice. So anyway, piece of balance. It's it was worth a worth a pickup actually if you've got kids especially. It's pretty fun. So the app's not clunky, awkward to use. It's kind of makes it makes it all go. The app is really clean. Nice. And honestly, if the app like 
one day they're probably going to stop supporting this app, you know, like down the road. Yeah. That's the thing with all these app games, but yeah. it's still like a good stacking game. Even if you didn't have the app, you could just stack the pieces like animal upon animal or something like that. So good. beasts of balance. Well, I, I'm going to suggest then that fantasy flight, go talk to whoever wrote that app because <laughs> their, their app sucks for X-Wing, for X-Wing 2.0. Okay. Day one didn't even work. Nice. So whoever they had actually programmed, if any of us here had been on that project, we would have all been fired, handed our walking papers, and told, "Why do you call yourself a developer?" So why wouldn't they? Glad to see it? that someone. Can, well, that's you know that's kind of a key thing. Why wouldn't you test it when after the first you know ten downloads, everyone's already reporting massive bugs and things not working? You know, as a user and a buyer of games, I would be in favor of waiting longer. Because a lot of times they push the release because they want to hit a date. I'll wait another month or two yeah. to have it work. Because they have the same problem with like video games that they release too early. Because they had a date set and then they're buggy. Yeah. Just wait. Well, just the problem is this wasn't even buggy. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Well, you that's can't, buggy. You, you can't even. You can't even build. You couldn't even build a fleet with it. So and with the two O model, you almost have to have the app in order to even build a fleet. Yeah. So it's kind of like if this is like the whole crutch of your game and it doesn't work at all, uh, that's a problem. Thanks, Fantasy Flight. <laughs> fantasy Flop. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's enough spawning. I think so. Let's move on to some listener's corner. What? 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 Weird. Listener's corner. So we're mixing it up this episode. We're going to do some listener's corner. But not for a whole episode. It's just going to be like two questions. Because of BGGCon. Yeah. A lot to talk about. We do. Well, I do. Interesting yes. stuff. And then the peanut gallery, I'm sure we'll have a few. I'm excited oh, to oh, hear we got some peanuts. Stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, listener's corner. Are we doing Andrew first? We are doing Andrew first. All right. Let me read this question. My dad has always had a pet peeve of people saying very unique or really unique. To him, unique means one of a kind. So, something's either unique or it's not. After I heard Ryan say a game was very unique, maybe it was Root, you can remember, I wondered what your thoughts are on the uniqueness of games. Can a game be very unique? And P.S., Pulp and Orange Juice is good. Andrew, thumbs up. <laughs> Just give him an entry in the contest for that. For- We're not talking about the contest. We're talking about giving away <laughs> Keyforge. Listen in later. We're going to talk about how to get into that. But Andrew, maybe he should get a free entry. In Just for agreeing with Chris on something. On pulp. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> it does not. You'd only have like two or three entries for the duration of this show. Three years. All right. So <laughs> so what do you guys think? Uniqueness. Can something be very unique? So let's start by saying, by asking, what's the difference between the word different and the word unique? Do you think there's a difference between those two words? Um, well, yeah, they're opposites. <laughs> Different and unique. <laughs> no, because, you know. Unique is, oh, no, wait, no, they're not. So, wait, unique yes. means one of a kind, right? Yeah. So, yes. Andrew's right. His dad is right. But the problem with games is, I mean, you have to go with the premise that uniqueness is a matter of degree. Because, uh, technically speaking, every game is unique. True. If you if you think about it that way. If it's black and white, literally, Kalos is completely different from what's another game like at Puerto Rico or any, you know, like there any worker Lords placement game. Deep. Lords of Water Deep is is unique mm-hmm. from Kalos because they're they're very different. Uh, they're they're just even a little bit different means it's unique. True. So I think uniqueness has to be treated with a matter of degree. Or you don't use the word unique, right? Because everything's unique. Maybe we should just say different 
Because I different. think it's fine to say very different. Sure. Do you think so? That's why well, I was asking if different and unique mean so, the same thing. So my guess is that Andrew's dad is probably type A. Okay. And you guys are both type A. And so, especially Ryan, I would say Ryan more than Tim, but Tim's got a little type A in him. And so uh, to a type A person, it's important to be correct with the way you use things. Okay. Yeah. You, you can't like just be willy nilly with words like scythe. You have to get it right. You do it, do it, do it right. It's, it takes responsibility. Yeah. And so I think for type A's, this is a more important issue for me. I'll probably use the word unique when I shouldn't, Yeah. but I think the appropriate thing to do is to use the word different. Like you said, yeah, but, you have to have some, some way of explaining how games, some games are more different than other games, more different, see? more different. Yeah. See, I, the very unique just sounds better coming off the tongue rather than more different. <laughs> True. <laughs> what about very, very unique? Are we stretching now, it? Now you're just going yeah. very, very. Now, now you're just being, you know, being a jerk. Yeah, you're just you're trolling just, Andrew. Yeah, you're just pushing it. No, you're trolling Andrew's dad. Yeah, I mean that's just Andrew's dad wouldn't like that. Yeah, and I think it, to his point, there should be a way to vocalize the point of uniqueness if there is such a thing. Right. There should be a way to vocalize that. And I don't think different works. To well, Tim's see, point. And to, to me, in the game part of it too, it's like if you say the games are different, you're kind of it's like, well, yeah, they're like. Completely different. I'm, I'm talking about Kalis versus Skyfall. They're they're very different. But now when you're getting into the like, okay, we're talking worker placement, Lords of Water, Deep, Kalis, all these other. This one is very unique in the way it handles worker placement. The game's unique, of course, because it's the only version of it. But the mechanic and the way maybe they've done worker placement in there is very unique compared to the way everybody else has done it. Right. So There's, there's got to be a way to vocalize that. If you're not going to use the word unique, then what do you say? Like Keyforge. Keyforge is very unique. Yeah, they even call it the unique game system. See, but that is a very unique or really unique. Well, that'll be the version two, maybe. <laughs> well, unique game system is different than a unique game. Yeah, but they, they actually created a system sure. to show that every game you buy is different than everyone else's Sure, game. like Time Stories was very unique when it came out, right? There wasn't anything like it. It yeah. just means you got prod- two prodigal sorcerers in your deck and I only got one. I mean, come on. No, it's more than that. Uh. I, I've played it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk so about it. So okay. Tim is, I think Tim is a hater. I, I can't, I can't hate something I don't know, nor can I be a joiner when I don't know either. It's like, uh, you know, can't be like, oh, this is the best ever. And I've never played it where yeah. just because the hype says it doesn't mean right. it is. See, I, if we were talking about root, I could see myself saying that because it is quite different than other games. Sure. Every person has a completely different thing they're doing. So to say it's very unique to me just means that it's like if everything had a percentage assigned to it, it's like 50% different than all other games. D- doesn't this topic all come back to the idea of how how much should we be policing the English language? Maybe. I mean, uh, I think we all get it. I mean, Andrew's dad's right. But at the end of the day, you know, the way we use words is for color. Like to Tim's point about, you know, different really isn't doesn't have the same impact as saying very unique. Even if very unique isn't correct, technically, it's giving the exact thought that you have to the, your audience. Yeah. So what's your pet peeve? My pet peeve is when I'm driving and someone flicks their cigarette out the window and it hits my car. Oh, that's oh, bad. That's, that, how I, often does that you know, happen? You know, flicking a cigarette is <laughs> bad enough, but when you, you're getting hit by that object, that's not good. You yeah. know what I hate is when people press the elevator button when oh, it's already lit. Oh, yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say when the doors are closing, because that's also annoying. 
Like the doors are closing on the elevator and then someone hits the up arrow and they open again while you're in the elevator. Oh, that doesn't bother me as much as the, they're like pressing the button be, repeatedly like it's as if it, it didn't really get it the first time. And so now, now someone should, it's really going to come. Someone now. should design an elevator that every time you push it, it makes it go faster. So when someone pushes it like 10 times, it shoots them like 100 miles per hour up mm-hmm. and scares them. When people do reply alls by accident and then everyone work, <laughs> and then... Another person does a reply all saying, please take me off this list, yeah. followed by another, then another, then another. And before you know it, you're like spamming the entire company. Rather, all they have to do is just not say anything or reply to only the sender. Yeah. Drives me crazy. It's kind of ironic kind to of reply all telling everyone not to reply all. It's kind of like you're just making the problem worse and trying yeah. to make it better for you, but while making it worse for everyone else. You know what I hate about my elevators? What? My elevators are, I select my floor number on the outside of the elevator and then I get in the elevator and it takes me to my floor. So I need to pre-select my floor. Yeah. So I go up to my elevator bank and I have to hit 25 so it'll take me to the 25th floor. And then it gives me an elevator Tells me which one to get on, and then I get on that one, and then it takes me to 25. Isn't that floor. a more efficient system, though? That's the point. You of would think. Okay. <laughs> However, I've been on the 29th floor, going to the 25th floor, and there's been someone standing with me who's going to the 27th floor, and it serves up two elevators, presumably because we're not going the same direction. I'm not sure. Um, and I've also had it where I've been on the very bottom floor, and people hit floors, and it'll use all four elevators to send people to four different floors. But that'll be faster for all four people. Except for the next poor schmuck who comes down there on one, and all four elevators are up on all the floors. Uh, so you think it'd be more efficient to stay there. Hmm. And the real problem with this is it teaches bad behavior. So now I go to my doctor's office. The doors on the elevator open up, and I walk in, and I'm standing there wondering why this dumb thing ain't moving. <laughs> and then I realize, oh... I need to hit the number on the inside of this thing to get to the floor I want to go to. I, I think that's goofy. So the way your company doesn't. I, I have a problem with my elevators. That's that's my pet peeve. That's one of those things that probably looks good on a PowerPoint to somebody. Well, if, if they if they it. felt more efficient, it wouldn't be bad. But they they don't feel any more efficient than uh, the old style. I don't like when people touch my computer screen with their fingers. Oh, and it leaves little grease marks. Uh, yeah, I'll stop doing that. Do you are you are you a toucher? I don't know. You know, I, they say, oh, look, look at this here. And then they'll point to like a graph. I definitely like, am with oh, your computer now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that leaves a mark. And I got to look at that screen. Yeah, those marks don't come off easily. <laughs> well, they don't. That's probably why touchscreen desktops and stuff haven't uh, caught they on. They haven't yet. really caught on. Yeah. Those all-in-ones. Yeah. Someone needs to make a screen that doesn't get smudges. Yeah, that's, yeah. Stainless know. steel screen. No, that would be really smudgy. <laughs> Stainless steel screen. I don't think you could see. <laughs> That's a whole other problem. <laughs> Question two from Ray Combs. Ryan, notice he addressed this to me. He did. Ryan, thank you for your great podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. I enjoy your podcast, too. <laughs> it's quite good. <laughs> I wish you guys would produce more content. So do now, we. don't we all? Yeah. Quick feedback. The bumpers for your intro and outro, as well as the spawn point, seem really loud. I'm going to work on that, Ray. Thank you. I'm not. You're actually not the only one who's told us that. We will fix that. He hasn't cared until you said something, Ray. So Yeah. It, the problem is that I don't listen to the final version. And apparently Chris and Tim haven't noticed this. No, I have, but I, I thought you were aware of this problem. No. We've had several people talk about the nope. volume level. I, yeah. I just like it because it's just cranked. So I'm just like, I'm good. I'm like, uh, yeah. Here's a fun question for your show. 
You're trying to find your prospective spouse, and the only way you can find out anything about them is to pick three board games to play with them. What games would they be and why? So the idea is you're picking your prospective spouse, and you cannot choose your spouse through dating in normal 21st century means. So what you have to do is pick three board games, and through the board games, you can learn about their personalities. Yeah. So which board games would you pick? This is a fascinating question, by the way. Which board games would you pick in order to get the best, well-rounded, m- most information that's pertinent to choosing a spouse? So let's give uh, let's give Ray's quick answers as an example. His was Feast for Odin to make sure she can plan ahead and remember to feed the kids. That's important. That's a good that's, point. That's important. Mechs versus Minions to make sure they can work together well on the same team under stress. And that's Azul to see how they react when their plans don't work out perfectly. So those are good. That's good. Those, those are very good. good. All right, so uh, Tim, what you got? Oh, you got me first, huh? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to start off with uh, maybe uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. So this is kind of a more social kind of game. You're doing a lot of talking, a lot of you know trying to sneak things through and stuff like that. So you kind of get to do a little more talking than you would in most games. So you kind of maybe can flush out her personality and you know see if she's <laughs> gullible or not. Yeah, I was going to say, are you doing that to see witty. if she can lie to you? That too, got to check that out. See how good she's at lying. So you know, and then there's just a little more chatter during that game so you can maybe get a better feel for personality second one is the magic the gathering now this is going to kind of get you the skills of you know tactical planning and then you know kind of how to do things on the fly so this will be helping you know for you know handling kids schedules and and then and then planning on how to get there and then you know when something goes wrong here's how you change it so you can summon this creature instead of this creature or play this spell versus that spell so it kind of is that being able to work on the fly and solve problems? It's problem solving. All right, I have to challenge you on this one because if I were to call to mind women I know who are good at those things, you know, like uh, managing the kids and all this, I don't think any of them would play Magic: The Gathering by choice. <laughs> but that's that's not the point, right? Or this is how we're testing to find out. So. If they did play you, it, would they be yeah. good at it? That's Wait, the question. Let's put it this way. Any of the games that you list, yeah, would uh, any of your women you've dated actually play those with you? Uh, one of them. <laughs> okay, so that kind of is moot then. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Plus, this could be a this could be a woman looking for a, a husband. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's by the way, point. my wife does play magic. And That's I believe true. she's put a whooping on you. I believe she has. Yeah. The assumption being that only men would like to play magic, yes. which is probably a bad assumption. But, but if, if you go to the local, real, if you go to the local game store, though, yes, ninety five percent. Yeah, wait, I will say. I this. seem to remember a sealed deck at Gen Con way back when, and this girl was kicking your butt. Oh, you're talking about she, that Russian girl? I, yeah, and hey, she, I believe she, I believe she handed you your own butt. What yes, was her name again? She did. Rad- Radica. Radica. Oh my! <laughs> oh, you got this. it. Yeah, oh resurrected. Radica resurrected. I can't believe we're still talking about that. <laughs> so I believe. Uh, I believe Radica cheated in that game. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd wish. Yeah, the uh, was it the Gaia's anthem? She had like four somehow in a sealed deck. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of uh, exaggeration there, but hey, we're, sorry, we're good. You know, Sarah also kicks my butt in magic while we're at it. I will say this. The girls, the women out there that play magic are very good. Yeah, see, so there, there's some good learning knowledge there, right? If they're really good at it, it's, it shows shows some intelligence. It shows uh, the ability to kind of put things yeah, together. Yeah, I don't think you need to be a guy to be good at these games, by the way, because the oh, no. women in our gaming groups are at least as good as we are, if not better. Yeah. I think, to my point is, I don't, it, it, the percentages 
The male to female ratio play, of playing yeah. Magic the Gathering. I'm just saying that that's a real thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. It's getting better, though, I would say. Definitely. Every year at Gen Con, it's more and more yeah. diver- diverse. The BGG group. Con is, is a lot more really? diverse huh. Yeah. Than, than Gen Con. What was your third one? My third one was Twilight Imperium. Well, because <laughs> I want to know that she's going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. That's a. Uh... <laughs> That's actually good. Like We're abandoning reality yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. But no, but I like I like the way I like the you way know, you answer. And there's a lot of planning in that too. So, you know, that plans for the camping trips and all all the stuff that's gonna come. You know, you gotta be in there for the long haul and these little setbacks aren't gonna I stop. I actually you. have a very similar You're gonna keep going. Okay. I have a very similar. Let's hear yours then. Let's hear mine's your actually, unrealistic choices. No, mine's actually women very similar play. to yours. Okay. So I chose Clash of Cultures for the first one because to me organizational skills are a must-have in a partner. I'm not very organized. Not only am I not organized, I crave organization around me, which is, by the way, why I surround myself with type A people like you guys. And so I want my spouse to be organized and have that just sort of desire to have like all our ducks in a row. And I think Clash of Cultures requires organizational skills to play that game. Now, I keep forgetting the name of this game, and I'm, I apologize to the audience. I say this every time. What's the name of the samurai game again? Rising you, Sun? You, you kill yourself at the end. and you Yeah, Rising Sun. Rising Sun. I would want her to play Rising Sun with me for one purpose, and that is to form an alliance and to see whether or not she will betray the alliance. Because there are not many games that have programmed alliances in them these days. This one does have a programmed alliance, yeah. and it tests your will to see it through. Now, I know... One of the people at this table has broken their alliance. Multiple times. Yes. And, you know, I would like to know that my spouse would be in it for the long haul, which leads me to time stories. Now, this is an example of you have to work together. You really need to sort of get on the same page. And in your partner, you want to be able to problem solve and go through hell together and come out on top. I think time stories is a good way to bring you together. But I do have a fourth. And I know we're only supposed to pick three, but this is to Tim's point with Twilight Imperium. I had the exact same idea, but I chose Caverna. So what I would do, (laughs) I would explain, look, I've got a five-hour game, extremely strategic, complex, and honestly a little annoying. And then upon answering, I would immediately tell her that I was kidding. You don't have to play. But I would just want to see if she would say, sure, I'll play that game. Because then I know, you know, she's she's got my back. So I thought you were going to say, I have this five-hour game that's, a little annoying and that was like a date simulation for going out with you for four hours <laughs> yeah, because if she could do that yeah if she could play caverna she could have a date with me no problem <laughs> all right well so here's mine my first one is werewolf so i would want to play werewolf there are no stipulation on how many people are in the game just to see if one if they could lie to my face if she could lie to my face and get away with it and if she felt bad about it afterwards so it's not the lying it's the guilt yeah so can I ask you a question about this one? Because I seem to remember Esther playing Resistance yeah. and being good at it. Yeah. So uh, did that deter you at all? or did it, I think did she was lying to you, though. So that was fine. But that was the circumstance. Yeah. I remember, though, when she was trying to dodge questions so she didn't have to lie when we were playing that. Okay. So she she definitely didn't like it. I could tell. She was uncomfortable with okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Survive is my second choice. So I don't think either of you have played this. No, but no. Survive is like the whole point of the game is you're all trying to escape this island that's sinking. And you're trying to sink everyone else's boat so they can't escape. So more of your guys escape because that's how you win. So the whole game is that. Like that is the game. 
So I would want to know if she gets upset about me attacking her boat, killing her guys. Well, that's the point of the game. Like, or can she just have fun and realize that it's just we're just having fun? So the the purpose of this game isn't to test to see if she'll sink your boats. No. It's to see if she's okay with you sinking her. Right. That's horrible. Why is that horrible? <laughs> because she's not going to want you to do that. She's not going to want you to sink her boats. But that's the game. The point of the game is sink everyone else's boats. So let me tell you what so happens. This is like a, a temperament kind of test. Yeah, it's a temperament test. So so we, Esther and I played this game together at Origins. And when we when we first sat down to play it, we were being very nice to each other and just trying to escape. And the person that was moderating the game is like, you guys aren't playing the game right. You're being too nice. You're supposed like the whole fun of the game is to attack each other. So when we started doing that, we both started having more fun. So it's like on her turn, on my turn, for example, I'll move my guy towards an island and then I'll roll a die. And if I get like the shark, I can have a shark go eat one of her people in the water. Like that's like the game. That's the whole point of the game. So it's to see if she could understand that that's the point of the game and ha- just have fun with it and roll the punches type of thing. Okay. All right. And then the last one I chose actually like your answer better. I wish I would have thought of time stories, but I picked pandemic. And the only reason, the only reason I picked that is because it's a cooperative game we have to work together to to solve a problem. Kind of, yeah. So, and I'm not saying Pandemic Legacy even. I'm saying straight Pandemic, oh. which is like the first game of Pandemic Legacy, basically. Pretty much. Uh, but you know, you're working together to solve a problem. You have to you have to cooperate and listen to each other's ideas, or you'll fail. Those are my three choices. Well, what if you're playing with your prospective spouse and Tim's also playing? Wouldn't you just let Tim? Figure no, out? I think this one you'd have to play with just the two of you. Okay. To do the test. Yeah, because we would just listen to Tim. Yeah, right. Because that's that's why I kind of did the Magic the Gathering too. Because then it was like the one on one. It was like the one one on one game I picked, just because you have that little mm-hmm. just dynamic. Whereas everything else was kind of group. And by the way, my wife would be horrible at that. Jess would just which one? Um, the survive because oh, survive. she's very very competitive. Very well, horrible. Competitive. Oh, yeah. she would pass Ryan's test. No, she would get mad if she I, would get mad if you ate her. Oh yeah, she would get mad. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's too. Well, maybe she's, not though. Because we're, we've had, I've had instances where we've played like foosball or something like that, and I'll win, and she gets upset. Yeah. Because I owned her, and she's well, just because like she a, was like a soccer player. Yeah. So. Wait, foosball is not soccer. That's like I know, but it's yeah. You get that in your blood but though. She's she's like she's I would get very, mad if someone beat me at bubble hockey. Yeah. You know, because I'm a hockey player, yeah. I should be winning bubble hockey. Yeah. But she's she's very competitive, so th- those competitive games would be kind of difficult. So mm-hmm. that kind of comes out in the magic, you know. See if you know she can take the winning and the losing there. Yeah. All right. Good question. That's that's a good one. I like that one a lot. All right. Well, that's all for Listener's Corner today. It's time to move on to our table talk. Table talk. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network at Dicetowernetwork.com. More fun than Merchant of Venus. Wait, what? Who writes these? This table talk is about BGG Con 2018, which I attended... With my friends, Jason and Clifford, Chris did not go this year. How was it? I'm dying to hear. Why not? That's, that's the first question. Why didn't you go? Why not? Because I, uh, I have two small kids and a wife. And, I've got uh, I get out for Gen Con and jobs. Sauce Con. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just got the book issues. And, uh, we'll it's not the real them. reason. I, I would go. I would say that it wasn't worth it for you, the trip, um, personally. I enjoyed it. But, uh, but, but I would say that the, the flight... Mid- no, I, I I had fun when we went. Okay, but I think that you guys like it more than I do. 
like my perception of your your experience last year was like it was too it was almost too nerdy for you. It was too all in. I didn't. Fe- yes, that's very well put. I didn't feel like I fit in with the group. Yeah. So like you guys had some. Everybody had a secret that I couldn't see. <laughs> <there. laughs> it was like a big secret, and you know I'll never forget. We were playing a game of I think it was Kalos. Or not Kalos, uh, Cycladies. And they they started the giveaway for, you know, like whatever they were giving away. And you guys wanted to stop playing the game. Yeah. To listen to the giveaway. I'm like, you know, we can hear them. We can keep playing in these it's a really loud microphone. But so here's, no, hold on, hold on. They're, they're giving a speech about uh, so-and-so, the new game that's coming out. Okay. So interesting. I actually don't have this anywhere in my notes. We skipped the giveaway completely this year. We went up to one of those private rooms and just played games. We didn't even go to the raffle or anything. Mm. We ch- we opted out and gave away our tickets. Okay. Yeah. So a little different. I didn't have that anywhere in my notes though. Well, what else? Tell, tell us. Okay. Tell so us what stories. I did is I broke it down like we did Gen Con and SauceCon, which by the way is going to be coming up in a few months. Yeah, it's coming up. So we need to be thinking about SauceCon 3. But anyway, I broke it down into the categories. So starting with the best game I played, it's a game that I had never heard of. Jason wanted to play it. It wasn't on our to-be-played list. It's out of print. It's called Ginkopolis. I actually, this is my best game played. We were ranking our games, like rating them as we played. It was kind of neat. Jason was keeping notes. And after every game, he'd be like, what do you rate this game? Like one through 10. And then afterwards, we reviewed it. And this was one of the only games I gave a nine. The only other one was Wallenstein. That was the only other game I gave a nine to. So I'm not going to go into details about this game. I'm just going to say that this game should not be out of print. So do you know how in Wallenstein, you everyone is thinking at the same time? Mm-hmm. So this game is like that too. You do all the, all the thinking all happens simultaneously, and then you just resolve it. Really fun game that should be back in print. It has like a 3D element where you're putting, you're putting tiles down in the middle, and then you're getting different things based on what tiles you place. But again, I don't want to really go into an explanation, partly because I don't remember it in, in great depth. I just remember that thinking to myself of, all the games that I played that were kind of new to me, this was the only one that I wanted to go out and buy wow. after wow. BGG Con. How old is this game? I don't know. I want to say maybe like 2010, 2012, something like oh, that. That young. Yeah. Wow. I thought this was going to be like a, an 80s game or something. No. And it's the same designer as if you've heard of Carson City. Yes. Uh, it's the same designer as, as that game. But for whatever reason, it's out of print. And the company that has the rights have said that they don't think there's enough interest uh, to reprint it. But I say, if you're listening out there and, you, and you're the company that has the rights to this game, I think it's Pearl Games, do a Kickstarter. Because then you can, you'll know how much interest there is and you can sell it. So anyways, Ginkopolis. Worst game I played. And Jason and Clifford gave me a hard time that I was going to talk too much about this. So I'm going to try to keep it short. It's a game called Cryptid. Did they agree with you? They didn't rate it very high either. But I, I actually detested this game while we were playing. What's a good comp for it? Were you there that you replayed Red 7? I remember Red 7. Okay. Have you ever had a game where you're playing it and you don't you don't get it to the point where you feel like you're getting rules wrong because the game just doesn't make any sense? <laughs> Only every game I've played. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like you're playing it and you're like, what is the point of this game? Are we missing something? Because you, you can't figure out what's fun about it. 
Like, I think maybe an example for you, I'm looking at Chris, might be Sushi Go. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I get that game. All right. The problem with that game is that it's taken too seriously. Okay. So this game is like a, it's a, it's not deduction. It's the reverse of deduction. So there's deductive reasoning and there's inductive reasoning. And this is, this game is based on inductive reasoning where you're trying to, and I, and I honestly, I'm not even going to try to explain the difference between the two because I, it's very confusing to me. You're going opposites. You're going from very, very Detail detailed things to, to the general level. Yeah. So you guys understand it. Can you explain it to me? So, yeah. So in other words, inductive reasoning would be I'm looking at the soundboard and I'm looking at the dials and, you know, all the specifics that every one of these hundred different dials, uh, the function that it has. And then I'm slowly realizing, well, the columns, each column is a, a sound wave and the rows represent uh, volume. And then I go a little le- a level higher and I realize this board is actually taking the three of our voices and splicing them together. And then a little bit higher and I'm like, without this board, we can't record anything. Okay. So you're going from the granular to the higher level. But I don't know how that would apply in a game though. Yeah, well, neither do I. Because I played a game <laughs> where it was supposed to apply and it made no sense. <laughs> so I think my point is don't try to design a game around this concept because it doesn't work. Is this the one that's out of print? No, this is a new game. This is like a, one of the new hot games. I was uh, It's hot? Yeah, this is one of the this is one of the only times in my life where I have been playing a game and I in my mind did not have the desire at all to try to engage in the game. I just wanted it to end. How how long were you into it time-wise? It wasn't that long. The game itself only took 15 to 20 minutes. So wow. probably after five minutes, I was like, "This the process that I'm supposed to be going through right now in my head is not fun. Well, do you remember the game we played where you're turning the cards over one at a time? Yes. It, was it like that? Because I felt myself checking out of that game, too. Yeah. In that game, it's kind of like, it's just all luck-based. Right. So this isn't luck based. It's just it's like while you're while I was playing it, I didn't I started to understand what you were supposed to do, and then I realized the thing I was supposed to do wasn't fun. And so I just wanted the game to end. And then I actually ruined the game accidentally by misunderstanding some one of the rules. It or just not actually I understood the rule, but I just forgot something and I screwed up the game. Was this really late at night? No. You, you tend okay. It was like it was like normal time of day. I was at high energy level. You know where I was going with this. I game. did. We got this game out, we played it twice. And I just I hated every moment of it. And what did what did uh, Clifford and um, they Jason they were say? they seemed a little more into it. Clifford seemed like maybe he was grokking a little more than I was. But then they only rated it five or six out of ten, both of them. Now Jason, uh, in fairness, I will say that Jason read afterwards or he saw a review or something that said you have to play this game like seventeen times, like three or four times, and then it suddenly clicks. So maybe I just didn't have the click for you. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. So I'll just, I'll just, that's the disclaimer I'll give is maybe, I think my, my counter to that argument is I feel like a game should be fun every time you play it. You shouldn't have to invest three or four games in a game for it to be fun. This is the same reason I didn't like Harry Potter. Everyone says, well, you you just have to play the first three games, then it gets fun. It's like, why do I have to do that? It should be fun the first time I play it. So I just have a problem with games that make you invest to, to have fun. You have to invest like all this time before you start having fun. Like someone was talking, I think I was actually listening to Jason's podcast. They're talking about a video game where the first hour and a half of it is just horrible, but you just have to get through it and then it starts getting fun. All video games are like that, though. Well, not not the first hour, but you know, they you have to sort of warm up to the game and understand the mechanics and everything. Yeah, 
But it's like this game, you understood the mechanics right away. Mm. It's just they weren't fun. You couldn't put them together for something that made fun. So anyway, I'm going to, I already talked longer about it than I promised myself. Yeah. Cryptid, worst game I played. Don't understand it. Is that C-R-Y-P-T-I-D? Yeah. That's, you know, Oxford Dictionary says that's a uh, term for an animal whose existence is questionable. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. How can an animal's existence be questionable? Does an animal either exist or it doesn't? Well, it's it's an animal whose existence or survival to the present day is disputed or unsubstantiated. Okay, like theoretical. Yeah, so I mean... Like the the Bigfoot. Is that what that means? You said that that's not real. It's questionable. No, it could be like, you know, the dodo. You know, we think he's extinct. Maybe he's living somewhere. (laughs) He's hanging out with Bigfoot. You never know. Maybe Bigfoot raises dodos. Well, I mean, they've 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 had actually found some creatures that they thought were extinct, and then they've actually found some living creatures. Well, I agree that this game's existence should be questionable. Yeah, there you go. I will give well, it so hold fits. on a second. What's the most questionable out of these three things? Bigfoot, ghosts, or aliens? The most questionable. The most questionable. Ghosts. Really? Fascinating uh, answer. I would say ghosts. You, wait, wait, wait. You think ghosts are more questionable than Bigfoot? Yeah. I think big, so. You think there's more of a chance that there's a Bigfoot, yeah, than that there's a ghost, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. Tim, what do you think? I'm, I'm torn between the two. Oh wow! I think by far Bigfoot is the most questionable. What? There's no Bigfoot. I mean, <laughs> that's your reason. We've 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 mapped the whole world. I mean, we've got satellites, and I mean, if there was a Bigfoot, everybody running Satellite around with their can't cell get phones. The I've seen some weird videos about Bigfoot. I don't know. I, but the thing is... I think it's mostly people who bought in Chewbacca suits and are running around outside. It's, it's it hard be. for me to... I want to actually meet a Bigfoot to believe it. Aliens, for sure, I believe that there's aliens. I, I'm shocked that if there wasn't aliens, I'd be shocked. Just because the universe is so big. Ghosts are the one that's like in between. Like, I've never seen one. I want to see one. Um, aren't they invisible? No, well, people have had things where they see visions, where they think they're ghosts. I mean, who knows what that is? I mean, it could. Who we don't we don't know physics and everything. I mean, we, who knows? No, we. Actually I want to meet physics. a ghost. No, we don't. Actually, we don't know physics. How do we not know physics? Because every time we think we know something, in fifty years we're proven wrong. Like they used to think we couldn't break the sound barrier. They were sure of it. They, they used to think we couldn't travel more than 25 miles an hour on a train because all the oxygen would get sucked out of the train car and everybody would die. That, that's, that was a common belief. And so what happens is as time goes on, we prove ourselves. Oh, well, that was just a – you were opening up the fifth dimension. That wasn't a ghost. You were talking to um, Kang and Zorg from, you know, what <laughs> from the Zorg. fifth dimension. <laughs> it's like an old Star Trek episode. <laughs> So anyway, I think a lot of this will be proven scientifically with this ghost thing that it's, there's probably like, there's probably some dudes checking in on us from somewhere. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm quite, I've never seen one. So I'm a little bit suspect of the ghost. There's a lot of people that believe they've seen them though. So it makes me raise an eyebrow skeptically, but open-mindedly. So speaking of ghosts, side note, the haunting of Hill house. Amazing show. Yeah. I watched it. It's, It's great. Yeah. Not what I expected at all. Yeah. I, I recommend to our listeners. Yeah. Is that on right after The Bachelorette? No, it's on Netflix. It's oh, a Netflix okay. original. It's way better than The Bachelorette. Yeah. So I watched it right around Halloween. And yeah. so it was like the perfect theme and, you know, I'm alone in a house. I, it made me want to talk to a ghost. I have a funny story about this show, actually. I was watching it. I was I like traveled a lot the last couple of months for work. And Netflix has the download thing now where you can download episodes oh. on your device. So I was 
doing that instead of watching the in-flight stuff. And I was watching the Haunting of Hill House. So I'm like, I'm on the window seat. I've got the show on. It's like this really tense moment. I've got the headphones in, you know, the, so it's up kind of loud. And like something was happening that was like, it was like, like almost to like jump scare level. And Bigfoot peeked in the window. <laughs> that would have been good. But no, the, the flight attendant tapped my shoulder and I jumped like a foot in the air. She tapped my shoulder to get my, and, and, and I, the other thing I didn't mention is I had the lights down because it was like a nighttime flight or whatever. Wow. I jumped and I looked at her and she jumped back. Like she didn't know what was going on. She knocked over the pilot and the plane pitched. <laughs> and then I'm like, I want an orange juice. Like I was like, I totally got freaked out. Wow. And you should have seen her eyes. I mean, her eyes got so big. She like, that's funny. She probably thought I was like attacking her or something. So, oh my God. yeah, Honey of Hill House is a great show. I would have paid to see that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, we got way off topic. So biggest surprise, at BGG Con, somebody told us, look for these games that are in these big black boxes that aren't marked, really. <laughs> like They're like these long, huge black boxes that look like prototype boxes. They said, look for those games. Those games are great. So, and they, and so we found one of them. So it's this company called Theta Games. That's T-H-E-T-A. And they make these like really highly produced dexterity games but they're in these like really junky boxes so you would never pick them off the shelf at bgg con because they're, the boxes are just so ugly so we played this one we played two of them actually one was called fire it was like imagine if you if you have one of those log holders i'm making a u-shape with my hands that no one can see but like you know you have those those log holders outside yeah. in your yard and you put a bunch of logs in so imagine it's like someone looked at one of those and decided to make a game out of it so you have these different colored logs which are just like cylindrical pieces and i thought this is going to be just like jenga when we were playing it but it wasn't the, the pieces are there's three different sizes and then you're trying to push a piece out without the other pieces collapsing in on it okay, so yeah. they're all cylinders right so you have to be careful where you push out cuz all roll down and fill the gaps and the pieces never like fall out they just collapse what's the goal down. of the game the goal is to get the most points by the end. And I think, I think the end was determined when a certain amount of pieces were gone or something, but like the big pieces were worth three and the smaller ones were worth two and the, the smallest ones were worth one. So if you can get one of the big ones out, it was like huge points. So this game just had like amazing moments where we were cheering. It, it was just great. And it was in this just crappy black box that you would never notice. And then there was another one we played called Saturn where it was, I don't even know how to explain this, but it was like the rings of Saturn, but there were, there were three rings and each one was on its own, um, axes. Okay. So like if you put a marble on one side, that axis would tip over right. and you're trying to place marbles on all three axes without making it tip all the way to the table. So it was really like thinky. And like some of the axes, if you put it in a certain spot, like two of them or three of them would go together. So it's hard to explain without, without seeing it. But my point is that. When I go back there, I'm going to be looking for games from this company now. So that was a huge surprise. Biggest disappointment uh, was a game called Majesty for the Realm. This is the follow-up to Splendor. Do you guys like Splendor? I never know. Yeah, I liked it. We just haven't played it in a while. Yeah. It's been a while. This is like the new game by that designer, and I was looking forward to it. This was a hot game last Gen Con. Not, not this year's, but like Gen Con 2017 that I just never got to play. It was okay. We finally played it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Splendor overall? What, if I busted out Splendor, would you want to play I it? I don't remember. It's been a while. I, I remember thinking it was okay. Yeah. So th I don't think this was as good as Splendor, to be honest. So that was my biggest disappointment. My best moment was Gin Fire. So there was a moment where I where Clifford actually literally defied physics. We were just talking about <laughs> physics. 
See, it's yeah, proven physics wrong. I mean, he pushed out this one of the giant pieces, and there was this giant hole in the center of the of the game, and the pieces didn't collapse. I mean, it was like magic. And we took a picture actually of Clifford like looking through that hole <laughs> from the other <laughs> side, you know. So, like when he pushed it out, we we're all just staring at it in like stunned silence <laughs> that it didn't collapse, and then we all cheered. So that was easily the best moment. And I'm kind of going fast because I'm, I'm going to get philosophical for a minute with my worst moment. Oh. Okay. Sorry to just speed through all those categories. I have a question for Tim. Is it just me or aren't are you more interested in the negative feedback than the positive? I find it fascinating to see what annoys Ryan. No, I'm good. I like both. <laughs> you like both? I like okay. both. Can't focus too much on the negative. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. So I'm not going to talk about a specific moment, actually. I'm going to talk about just a... Something I've been thinking about that was, I started thinking about this because of something that happened at the convention. And this is what I want to say, that there's people who philosophically may not agree with me on anything or on you, or we might not agree with each other. Sure. Or there, you know, there's people out there that we just don't agree on anything, but board games is like something that can bring us together. Okay. And th- this is something, so there was some discussion that happened. I got a little upset about it. Hmm. And then I've been thinking about it since then, and I realized that it didn't matter that it happened because board games is like the thing that if there's somebody I don't agree with things on, that board games can bring us together. So in other words, Um, like Trump and Hillary hate each other, but they could get together and play a game of magic. Maybe. Or, I don't know, pick another small game. They'd have to do do stockpile, right? Because he's in there. So like, let me give you some examples like in the media. So and when I say media, when you're watching shows, for example, don't you like it when you're watching a TV show and there's like enemies that or people that don't like each other and then they, they bring them together somehow because they find like a like a redemption. Ground. Yeah. A redemption element. Yeah, like they like they don't they disagree and then they find something in common and then they then they, in the end they're like working together. Sure. We I think inherently that we all like that concept. And I think there needs to be, in thinking bigger about this, there needs to be more things like in our country, in our world that give us common ground. And I think games is one of those things. Can you be a little more specific, though? Like, what was the issue? No, I I don't want to go into specifics. (laughs) I'm not going into specifics. It doesn't matter. Well, can you use an example that's false? Um, um, yeah, like you could be having a political discussion. Okay, so you like words, Trump, I like Hillary, and then we want to kill each other, but then but we can sit down and so, play magic. So in other words, we're arguing, and it's heated, but then after we're done arguing, we're playing a game, and we're cool. Yeah. That's your point. The, yeah, the point is that there's the game is something that provides a common ground, and I feel like we need more common ground. Like, there's so much, there's so many things out there that are divisive. And I I think my point is that games provide a common ground for people who have different beliefs on things to, to find something they can agree on. Differences and have some fun together. Yeah. And like, I was thinking about, like, I think that's why the people like watching the Olympics. Like, the Olympics is all games, right? It's like these countries that you would never like. It's true. Get along with for anything, but we're, we're coming together for like the sports event, like once every couple of years. Or like the World Cup is a, is a lesser example, but I don't know. It just made me start thinking about this that this happened, but then I realized like it doesn't matter. Like let, let's focus on the common ground, and we can build friendships with people that we may not agree with on other things, but we just build it around games. Right, right. And the other thing to your point is that you don't have to agree on everything. Right. People get really hung up that if somebody else thinks a certain way, that I I have no use for them. Then 
Right. Why can't you just agree to disagree and then have some fun, you know, play a game or do whatever? Well, I think that's a common problem we have today is like everybody's got an opinion, but so many people now think that their opinion should be everybody's opinion. Right. And it's not, you're not allowed to to have your own. It's okay to be different. Right. You're not allowed. People should be allowed to have their opinion. Now there is a, there is a place though. I don't think that the gaming table is a place for having debates like that. Right. So I, I think that, if you do have differing opinions, it's best just to not talk about that. I mean, uh, just going to create problems and arguments. Just put that aside and agree to disagree and have some fun. And have fun. That's the whole point of the games is to forget all the problems of life and have some fun playing a game with your friends. Right. Yep. So respect each other. Don't alienate people. I think these are good traits to strive for. And yeah. I, and I think, Gaming is is something that we can have common ground on. So I well just, just want to get a little philosophical yeah, there. A little yeah. depth. Yeah. So anyway, things... Big, Bigfoot is out there nodding right now. Yeah, like, yes, Bigfoot. Yes, yes. He, has a, he has a tear coming out of the corner of his eye. He's yeah, he, very misunderstood. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Something that I would want to change for next time. We... Okay. I will just state this. I'll state the end of this story first. We had like the most amazing barbecue I've ever had in my life in Texas. So that part was great. Yeah, Texas barbecue. But it's not like, I mean, this is like above even Texan standards. This was wow. at a different location, right? This but, year? BGGCon? It was, in, it was in Dallas still. So we, we rented a car. We stayed in an, in an Airbnb. And we drove. So this is the, the part that I would change. We drove like a half hour to get barbecue. And then we waited in line for an hour. Okay. But it was like the best barbecue I've ever had. But we didn't get back and start playing games till like three in the afternoon. Uh, yeah. So the thing I would change is go to a barbecue place that's a little closer, that maybe not maybe it's not quite as good, still way better than Illinois barbecue. Yeah, that wouldn't be too tough. And not do like the three hours round trip that we basically did to get to get this barbecue. Even though it was amazing. Clifford, I know you love this barbecue place, but next year let's go somewhere closer. I don't know if I could do the, we'll just, the long Just send them out on a, uh, trip, you know, a trip. Hey, Clifford, go get some barbecue. We'll be here. <laughs> it was really good barbecue, though, I It'll will say. It would be cold by the time I came back, though. That's true. Any, any comments on the barbecue story? Would you Would you drive? No. It, no. So you're at, we're at Gen Con. The drive isn't the I would problem. do it the for weight. the one time to try it. If it's a place I'd never been and it had huge ratings, I would do it for the one the time. The drive, sure, but not but, the weight. But I wouldn't want to do it consistently. So we didn't know. I mean, in fairness, we didn't know it was going to be that well, long of a wait, but right. we drove a half hour to get there. So it's like... The sunk cost of the drive. I would have ordered a you pizza. Did, you didn't have line. like a pocket game with you so you could play while you're waiting for that? We, actually, dark stories. we played Dark Stories. Okay. But Jason was so hungry, he couldn't participate. <laughs> he was like checked out in, the whole time in line. So Clifford and I were doing Dark Stories. And by the way, Clifford, never, he, you never got the answer to that puzzle. Which one? The Dark Stories puzzle we did. You've, you've never done it. Did, did I ever tell you the Dark Stories story from me? That, uh, you know, we're driving down to Disney with the kids. No. And uh, I was like, well, you know, we're, we're driving. This is 21 hours of driving. So I thought, hey. It's a perfect time for dark stories. So uh, I, I posed the question um, for the one that we did with Ahmad. Yeah. Did that one. We shouldn't and spoil it. Yeah, they're sitting there and her friend asked about three questions. She's like, I don't know. And then <laughs> Jess asked uh, about a good dozen questions, but a lot of them were very similar. Was the shirt pink? Was the shirt green? Was the shirt blue? So a lot of common things like that. And then eventually they're kind of like, oh, they have to think about it. And then we switch drivers. So then I'm in the back chilling and she's up there with her girlfriend driving. And then we switch again. I'm like, okay, you know, you've had a lot of time to think. What's your thought? So they're like, oh, we Googled it. I'm like, what? 
What? Oh, oh my god. So yeah, they cheated. They totally cheated. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. It ruins the whole point. Yeah. So they just they just like well, yeah, we I'm like, so that's the end of it. Never gonna do that again because there's like too much. I found that a lot of people in my circle don't like dark stories. Yes. Which is disappointing to me. I've tried playing with very non-gamers, thinking their personality fits this game. Like yeah, they'll like a right. good mystery. No. No, it's it's very frustrating for them. They yeah. don't get it. Yeah. They don't they get frustrated. they don't want to they check out. Yeah. I, I I find I love the game personally. I think it's one of the most underrated games. So yeah, if we could play that in line, maybe I would wait. But it's an hour. You're at that's a Ooh, man, that's a tough one. So what was that Italian, like you said it was the best Italian noodle or whatever, nachi, something like oh, that? Oh, gnocchi. Gnocchi. No, 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 no. Uh, cavatelli. Okay. It's like a gnocchi. That's so let's say like we're gnocchi. at Gen Con and you find out that the best cavatelli you'll ever have in your life, you have to wait an hour and no, line for. No, You still wouldn't do it? No, no. It's like a one-time chance. No, the waiting is outweighs the right. delicious factor right. for me. I just wanted to check. Yeah. What happens if you could Grubhub it? Oh, I'm in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Imad and Sarah, are, they're in Europe right now, aren't they? In, they're in London. Yeah. yeah. I'm financing that trip, I think, because of, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I use Grubhub almost. There was a, a few days in a row where I ordered two meals a day for several days. Wow. I know. This episode brought to you by Grubhub. <laughs> Love it. All right, something that I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do was Detective. So I bought Detective at oh, Gen yeah, Con. Oh, yeah, you still haven't played that. We didn't play it at Gen Con. We haven't played it at game night. And then I brought it in the suitcase to Texas to play it, and we didn't play it there. <laughs> so Man. Detective. Well, you know what? Sauce Con. Let's do it. Because I think, I, think, uh, I think Chip was in. Two more quick things. Puzzle Hunt was amazing. Chris, you missed out on that. And Keyforge. So I said I was going to talk about yes. Keyforge. Oh, here's Let's the Keyforge. Here's the deets. Yeah. So Jason learned Keyforge. Actually, what I did is I went out and bought decks. We didn't even buy the base set. So by the way, you don't actually need the base set to play if you can just come up with your own tokens. Oh, um, that's going to be pretty tough. To come up with tokens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just bought decks because that was the only thing you could buy in the store. One deck is, I think, 10 bucks. So I bought, we each bought two decks and then we, the idea was just play them against each other when we were there. We didn't get to play them as much as we wanted, but here's what I'll say about the game. So let me just give you an example of the type of thing that would happen in this game. Jason would put out just a ton of creatures, but the point of this game isn't to attack and kill each other. It's actually to forge keys. Creatures you can tap to basically get the the resource you need to forge a key. You need, I think, six, I can't remember what they're called, to forge a key. That's the objective. So if you have a bunch of creatures out, you could you could tap a bunch of them and get the, the resources you need to forge a key. But like the thing that would happen is Jason would put out, he would get out like seven or eight creatures and I would have nothing. And then I would just play one card and wipe all his creatures. Then he would like put out like four or five and then I would some other weird card I would put out and it would just wipe all his creatures. So it felt like you're playing a game of magic where every single card is like overpowered and ridiculous. So it was like really fun because like you just first of all since every deck is unique you just have no idea what to expect from these decks now over time that might change but like when you're playing it and all the cards are new it's just it's very interesting to see like the different combos that happen and just how like these ridiculous things like there's this um so i think i think it was like you need six i don't know why i can't remember the name of the the, the resource amber but you need six no this like i think it's called amber to forge a key and you can only do one key per turn and you're storing up this amber unlike your player card or whatever so clifford 
in the game I played him, he stored up, he, he was able to get like 15 of them in, in one turn. So he had all this stuff on his card. And I just happened to have this card that said, if someone has like over seven, you just eliminate everything over seven. So he lost oh like everything that he had just produced. He basically lost like all of it because I just happened to have the cards that did that. And so the game is really about, you just, you have to look at your deck ahead of time and try to figure out like, how am I going to play this deck? But on your turn, you have three factions, and on your turn, you have to choose which faction you're going to play that turn. And there's no mana. You just put out cards. You say, okay, I'm going to play this, whatever this faction is, this black faction. And you can only play and activate cards from that faction on that turn. So you might have, like, six creatures out, but two of them might be from that faction, and the others are from another faction. Yeah. So if you're doing that, then only the, if you want to tap them for Amber, you can only tap those two, because that's the only faction you can use that turn. It was very interesting that the thought process when you're playing felt to me felt very different than when you're playing magic. You have to get over this idea of getting a bunch of creatures out to quote unquote attack because that's not what you're doing. You're trying to produce keys so you could get all these creatures out you want. But if you don't have like the right combos of, of stuff, you're not gonna be able to do much with them. I actually really recommend this game and it's not a big investment to get into it. You can just go buy a $10 deck. And someone else can buy one and you can just try it out and see if you like it. But I, I had we, I had a lot of fun playing it. Mm. So and it's in, in, in case you don't know what this is, it's Richard Garfield. It's his new game. It's Fantasy Flight. Every single game is unique. They have these ridiculous names. One of my deck names was the Emperor of Doomverse. That was like the name on my deck. So every card is labeled with that name. And then the card list is there. And the other thing that's cool is the card um, has a QR code on it. You can just scan it and then your whole deck will appear in like the Fantasy Flight website or whatever. Mm. It's not like you can do any deck building, but you can just have all your decks out up there. thought it was neat that you could just scan a QR code and have them all up there. Keyforge. Seems like a good endorsement. I'm I'm definitely at least going to try this game. It's yeah. fascinating. And I, I'm a believer in this dude. I like his game. So, so Keyforge, speaking of Keyforge. Speaking of Keyforge, let's the talk the about the giveaway. There yeah. you go. <clears throat> so we are giving away. Ryan, tell them what we're giving away because you actually placed the order. Yeah, we're giving away the Keyforge base set, which comes with two unique decks, all the tokens to play the game, and then two starter decks that are the same in every base set, but that you could use to like learn the game. Right. And so to win this, a winner will be picking at random. And you can have as many entries as you like. And here's how you enter the contest. There's two ways. One is you can like my Facebook page. It's And we'll, we'll uh, have the URL for the Facebook page posted on the Out of Game podcast page. Uh, but it's for The Angriest Angel, my new book. I'm trying to get some buzz out there. And I won't go too much into the book now. But it's getting a lot of good reviews. And I'm very excited. And I'm trying to get some momentum. So... We're giving away this copy of Keyforge to one lucky winner who will be chosen at random. So you can like the Facebook page. That's all you got to do. Then I would ask that after you like the Facebook page, send an email to us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com so that we know who to give the credit to for that user ID. And if you can get any of your friends to like the page, you can get extra entries into the contest for every person who likes the Facebook page. So you can enter as many times as you like. Just try to get as many people to like the Facebook page for The Angriest Angel as you can. And just email us so we know to give the credit to you. The other way to do it also free and easy is if you belong to Goodreads, which is another website out there for people who love books. All you have to do is add The Angriest Angel to your Goodreads list, which is free. It's just you add it to your list virtually. You don't have to buy it. And that if you're a Goodreads user, you know what that is. If you're not, then it's okay. You could just do the Facebook option. But 
again, for every good reads follow I get, it's another entry into the contest. So the most ent- the more entries you have, the better ch- your chance to win a copy of Keyforge. And there's one more bonus. And don't worry about remembering all this. We'll put it all on the website and on our Facebook page. The last way you can enter is to go to Amazon and to leave a review for my book. And in order to do that, I think Amazon requires you to buy at least the Kindle version, which is $2.99. Um, and this is optional. You don't have to do this. But if you do it, if you leave a review and just an honest review, you get five entries for doing that into the Keyforge giveaway. So one entry per Facebook like, one entry per Goodreads follow, and five entries per Amazon review. Um, are they? Can they also get extra entries on Goodreads for getting their friends yes. to add it? Good question. Same with Amazon okay. reviews. Same, uh, any friend that you get, just make sure to email us at outagamepodcast at gmail.com so that we know to give the credit to you for the entry. And the more entries you get, we're just going to do random draw. And that person will win Keyforge. Okay. And we'll put all the details on the website. Yeah. So like Chris said, we'll have all the details out there. So you don't need to remember all this. If you're driving, don't worry. I would just add that I have read Chris's books and they are worth reading. They're very good books. Chris is a very good storyteller. And I think he deserves to uh, get a break here. I appreciate that. So it's not. It's going to be worth your time to not just like his page, but actually go out and, and try reading his book because it's, it's good. I should also mention when we're doing the giveaway. February 1st is the deadline. February 1st is the deadline. So we're going to close all of the, the gathering of vote, uh, you know, the, the tallying. And then we'll do the random draw shortly after February 1st. Yep. And the winner will be announced two episodes from now. So this is episode 46. We will announce the winner on episode 48. Even numbers. I like it. It sounds good. All right. That wraps up episode 46 of Out of Game. Find us on our website at outofgamepodcast.com. You can also go to BGG Guild 1990. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Stitcher at OG Podcast. That's OOG Podcast. Email us, like Chris said, at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 40OOGOOG80. For great games at amazing prices, shop at coolstuffinc.com. And for more great podcasts, the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. Good night. Good night. Good night. We ready? Did you do your test? Yeah, it yeah, played. It, it yeah. did? Yeah. yeah. All right. We're good. So keep your fingers crossed. All systems are go. We think. Hopefully. We think we're recording. Welcome to potentially episode 46 <laughs> Wait, of Out of Game. Is this a real intro? For real? <laughs> so this game is like a, it's a, it's not deduction. It's the reverse of deduction. It's um, induction. I don't think that's the right word. Inception. It's um crap. <laughs> Conduction. I need to look it up. Pause. This is Invocon. Crisscross. Implosion. And I and I honestly I'm not even going to try to explain the difference between the two because I it's very confusing to me. But it's like you're you have a lot of options and you're trying to which sounds like deduction, so I don't know. It's like the info is out there and you're trying to narrow it down. <laughs> I, That's I deduction. I know. <laughs> That's why I don't understand. Uh, inductive What's reasoning. the name of this game? It's called Cryptive. Cryptid. Cryptid. Reason like as in you're in a death crypt, hey, hey, hold on. cryptography. What is the difference between deductive and inductive reasoning?
Why is Google always failure? Oh, failure. Uh-huh. So Inductive and deductive. Re- Ooh, there's a there's a Khan Academy video about it, which I don't want to watch. Difference. Alexa, what is inductive reasoning? Inductive reasoning is usually defined as reasoning from detailed facts to general principles. Six. Amber. <laughs>